Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. It's a solo edition. I just had to get stuff off my chest. I couldn't get Braden for a football show. I couldn't get Mike for Football and Other F-Words. And I couldn't even get Trajan Watkins from BroadwaySportsMedia.com, who writes all kinds of great articles. I couldn't even get him to come talk about us. Nobody wants to come talk this Tennessee Titans loss. The Titans have fumbled away another win. And I just had to talk about it because I thought there's going to be a lot of narratives. And I just couldn't wait till Tuesday for a football show, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. I couldn't wait for Football Under the Efforts, which is going to come out on Wednesday, to talk about not only this game, but also Mike Vrabel's comments after the game. If you want to join in on the discussion, you can at YouTube or at Facebook. We already got some comments rolling in. You know, please talk me off the ledge. Sorry, RG. Don't know if I'm going to be able to do that for you. You know, who are we going to draft 12th overall? We'll get to my joke that I made on Twitter that people are taking really seriously. And it's just a joke. Just a joke. So head over to the BroadwaySportsMedia.com YouTube page for football and other F-words. Head over to the Facebook page for Broadway Sports Media. Join the discussion. Not sure if you can do it on Twitter or not. This won't be a very long discussion because I know it's Christmas Eve. And I know a lot of people probably aren't going to join. But I just had to get it off my chest. This game was the most exciting three-minute game that was stretched out over a two-hour and 45-minute uh, game that I've ever been a part of. In fact, the last two, or really three, but the last two Malik plays where he fumbles the ball uh, on the opening drive for the last drive, he fumbles the ball, and he escapes all this pressure on every every which way. He you know, puts his hand in the dirt, keeps himself up. They're the most exciting plays that had the least exciting result. It was just, it's crazy. So let's, before we get into it, obviously, this is an impromptu thing. You can follow me on Twitter at EffortsPods right here at the bottom. You can also, you know, go subscribe to the 440 Sports YouTube page. Go subscribe to the Broadway Sports Media YouTube page to be able to watch all the live shows and live streams that each of us do. And of course, every Wednesday, football and other F-words. And football shows Monday, well, this week, Tuesday and Friday. 1 p.m. on Tuesday, and on Friday, we're at 9 a.m., so we're going to have an after-reaction show there. And also, broadwaysportsmedia.com, where you can get all the written content, get an insider pass. And we're brought to you by Jaspers in Nashville, who doesn't even know that we're doing this tonight. And I, I'm not entirely sure if they're open on Christmas, so that they are, and you need to drink your blues away, two-for-ones on Sundays over at Jaspers. So, I, I have to talk about I guess I need to start with Malik Willis and I I'm a little fed up with the, uh, this notion that it's never Tannehill's fault. And now it's all Malik Willis's fault. Now I'm not here to say that Malik Willis is the second coming of Steve McNair. And I'm not going to say that, you know, I get emotional over it. Every time I see Steve or I see Steve McNair, every time Malik Willis takes the field, that's a little much. It's a little, little much hyperbole right there that I've seen on Twitter. But I think it's utterly ridiculous that everybody's walking away without the all 22, mind you. Now, there are those there at the press box, but there's very few in the press box. Maybe Teron Davenport is the only one in the press box I really trust to tell me the X's and O's from his angle. That they're walking away with this overwhelming opinion that Malik Willis is just terrible and this loss is all on Malik Willis well I don't know what to tell you but Ryan Tannehill has lost to a bad Texans team 
He has thrown an interception right to the chest of, of a Texans player just last year. Ryan Tannehill behind this offensive line would have maybe been a little bit better. I mean, I would say that he'd been better, but I don't think the outcome really changes because this, this was a terrible performance. And who turned over the ball the first and ruined all momentum? And it was a great defensive play, but it was Derrick Henry who should have been traded week eight. I will say this. I don't think Malik Willis is quite there yet, but if you walked away from this game not seeing the distinction between Kansas City Chiefs and first game Texans um, Malik Willis and this Malik Willis, then you got to get your eyes checked. And I, I just think it's so ridiculous that I bet that 98% of you, that if Ryan Tannehill had played this game and the Texans have lost, or the Texans have won and the Titans lost, that you would be blaming everybody else. You'd be blaming the offensive line. You'd be blaming the offensive coordinator. And sure, a lot of you still are blaming the offensive coordinator, and you absolutely should. But you'd be blaming everybody else but Ryan Tannehill, even if Ryan Tannehill threw that uh, pretty much game-ending pick. I, I just don't get it. I I I do get it, but I don't. I, I just think that people are just being utterly ridiculous. And look, Malik Willis did not play a great game. He threw the interception. I'm not entirely sure if that Jeff Swaim uh, screen was meant to be a Jeff Swaim screen. There was Traylon Burks behind him in depth and on position of the field, waiting for a pass for some odd reason, and to and. Jeff Swain was in a position to block for him. I just think the Malik Willis threw to the wrong guy and, and trying to make a play because he was getting sacked because he was getting sacked all the time. I think my favorite tweets from the game, and this was in the game, during the game, were from people that, are, that cover the team that said, well, Malik Willis um, uh, probably shouldn't have held the ball in too long, but you know he was going to get... He, he, it's kind of hard not to do that when he's getting pressure in his face. And this was on the particularly, uh, I think his last sack, actual sack. And um, nobody blocked anybody. It was like two seconds. So that's not holding the ball too long. That's you just bashing Malik Willis for whatever reason. Like there's some people that are just bashing Malik Willis that are in the press, that are in the fandom, that are just bashing him because they didn't like him when they he got drafted. They didn't like him as a prospect, and they just will never like him. And I think that's unfair to Malik Willis, who's obviously a great kid and a nice guy. And listen, I've said it numerous times, said about Marcus, said about Dylan Cole, sometimes nice guys just don't translate to the field. And this could be that case. But you can't base it off this game alone. And if you want to use the KC and Texans game, sure. Here's the thing. What were you expecting from a third-round rookie quarterback that was a raw third-round rookie quarterback, and he was always going to be a raw third-round rookie quarterback? Take what you can get. Take the positives of what you've seen in his growth and go from there. This bashing of the kid because and saying that his career is over. Listen, he may never be better than a backup quarterback. But I'm telling you right now that Ryan Tannehill would have maybe got like 130 yards passing because that offensive line sucked. And Malik Willis obviously showed progress. So that's my, that's my first rant 
of the evening, at least on that particular topic. Uh, let's get to some of your comments here. It's frustrating because Downing and the personnel around Willis aren't giving us a complete evaluation of his potential. Totally agree. I said, I said, well, I've said it and I've written it, but on broadwaysportsmedia.com, I have said numerous times that if you drafted Malik Willis, you have to let Malik Willis be Malik Willis. And this offense is not made for Malik Willis. And forcing him in this offense is not a good thing for him and his development or a good thing for the team. And I go back to everything about Patrick Mahomes. If you think Patrick Mahomes' mechanics are the best mechanics in the world, they're not. Because what the Chiefs did was build an offense around him and develop, give him time to develop. And what he does is basically goes out there and bees himself. Footwork be damned. Mechanics be damned. He just goes out there and play. And right now, you are not seeing a Malik Willis that can just go out there and play because they're not letting him. They're not built to let him do that currently. This, this, uh, the offensive coordinator is not creative enough to let him do that. The Vrabel is too stubborn to let him do that. They're trying to make him, and you can see it when you can see it on the field because while he was decisive from the pocket than previous starts, he was more hesitant getting out of the pocket. It's like he knew there's a voice inside his head telling him not to run. And that is a problem. Uh, From Derek R., Malik is developing. It's going to take one or two years. He isn't bad or the problem, but he isn't good right now either. Both things can be true. Bingo. Fully agree. I thought Malik showed nice progress in the game given the circumstances. I know the interception was bad, but he's a young quarterback on a talented, deprived offense who's just trying to make a play. This is from Landon Montgomery on YouTube. And let me tell you, Ryan Tannehill made that same play last year. Made that same interception to a linebacker last year. I'll make my opinion on Malik after a couple seasons from Derek R on YouTube and hopefully a full season at starter. Until then, I'm not going to say he sucks, and I'm also not going to defend him. I, I think that's true. But I think that, you know, from my standpoint, because I have this platform, I think I do need to bring it up that we have to be realistic about what Malik Willis is. Nobody wants to be realistic. They want to say he's a first round quarterback prospect. And that is the that is what he's got to be every time he steps on the field. And that's not what he was. And until that, then he's he's a developmental project quarterback. And that's what he is. It's what he will be for another year. And listen. He's going to have to learn a new offensive system. Hopefully, they bring in an offensive coordinator that knows how to use him, Tim Kelly, and he who shall not be named that used to be the quarterback of the Houston Texans should have that shot. But on the flip side, I think everybody needs to get cozy with the idea that Ryan Tannehill is going to be here another year, whether that's via extension or uh, restructuring the whole deal and adding void years and just making it a one-year final deal. I don't know, but I think Tannehill is going to be here another year. The the next thing is the la- I guess the last thing I'll get to is the eight a.m. to four p.m. comments made by Mike Vrabel, and I think these are super telling remarks about where this team is at, and it explains a lot about the losing streak, and it explains a lot about the play on the field because here here's what we know 
Jeffrey Simmons earlier this week made very, very similar remarks about 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. guys, about guys not showing up early enough, I think was his thing. I think the guys are showing up like right when they're supposed to show up and they leave right after they're supposed to leave, like the, the designated schedule. Nobody's putting in the extra work. And I think it shows. And I think you could see the players that are putting in the extra work. You could look at uh, Dr. Jack Gibby, Dr. Gibby today. I bet he put in the extra work all fucking week. And then you can see a guy maybe like Monty Rice who doesn't seem to be really making any strides. Not saying that he's terrible, but he's not good. Seems like he's relying a lot on his God-given ability. I think you can look at guys like maybe Bud Dupree and Rashad Weaver. We've known, we know that Rashad Weaver's already been in trouble once. So for being late, for not showing up on stuff that he's supposed to be, and he lives just literally right across the fucking street from the practice facility. We've seen that. So you have to think that the comments made by Big Jeff are mainly about defenders, because that's probably typically who he interacts with. And I'm sure there's some people on offense, too. But I think it goes to show you that Mike Vrabel has probably already been talking about this. And today, the losing streak just got to him, and he let it slip, and he tried to backtrack a little bit, but he basically said people are trying to rely on their God-given ability and not putting in the extra work. What he said. And he tried to backtrack, but we're not going to let him backtrack. And... Jeff said the same thing earlier this week. So that means that either Mike Vrabel's talked to the leaders in the locker room as a whole to try to get things turned around, or he's had a players meeting and he's, he's mentioned this, but obviously this is a thing and this is cause for concern. Now the players that are not buying in are probably are basically players that John Robinson bought in or brought in. So in my mind, I think Mike Vrabel's going to turn it around. I don't think this is a lose the locker room, fire Vrabel, even though that could be a possibility with this owner. You have to, I don't think it will happen, but you do have to leave yourself open to the possibility that could. I think that there is a state of the Tennessee Titans that we all need to start recognizing that going in to these last two games, we know, because Vrabel has said, because the play, this game is pretty much meaningless on Thursday, they're going to rest players on Thursday. So we know they're going to be going in again against the Dallas Cowboys, a very good defense and a very good team fighting for, for playoff positioning. They're going to be starting all their stars and they're going to decimate this Titans team on Thursday night football in front of everybody. There's a loss right there. And then you go into... Thursday, or the the Jacksonville game, the finale. Will Mike Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill be back and, and get this team to the playoffs? Do you even want them to go to the playoffs? Because in, I know fans are like, you have to root for your team to win. Well, shouldn't you be rooting what's best for the team that you're going to have to watch next year? And if you get, let's say that they are limping into that game, you know, seven and nine, and they're at position number 12. Well, if they win that, they're probably at position like 22. So they lose 10 draft spots, and that 10 draft spots is a wide margin for a team 
that is going to need talent and draft capital for the next GM. That's huge. So if Ryan Tannehill comes back, and I know Schefter has reported that he's not coming back, but Tan- uh, Rappaport has reported that he's likely coming back, I tend to side with Rappaport because guess who was right about Derrick Henry? I think Rappaport's more plugged in to the Tennessee Titans and Schefter. So do you really want them to win? See, that's, that's my thing. Is I think what's best for this team is that they don't win. Now, let, here's a caveat. If they don't win a game for the rest of the way and that results in Mike Vrabel's firing, then it's obviously not the best way to go. You got to keep Mike Vrabel. This is a Todd Downing issue, a personnel issue, which goes on John Robinson. This is not a Mike Vrabel issue. And if you think that this is a Mike Vrabel issue, then you don't know the Tennessee Titans and you don't know what the head coaches have done in previous years. And you don't know the toil and torment that you go through not being able to have a good head coach. Head coach purgatory. We have quarterback purgatory. Both those things could happen at the same time. So as long as Mike Vrabel keeps his job, I'm all for going and losing out because I think that's what's best for the health of this team because you're talking about a total retooling or rebuilding of the roster after this this season's over. And Mike Vrabel's going to have a chance to bring in his guys, his players that buy in. I will, let's get to some of these comments. Aaron Otto, I don't see how a team could be comfortable starting him without some sort of veteran first-round pick to compete with him. I believe he's talking about Malik Willis, and I totally agree. I, I don't think that they should start Malik Willis next year. I also don't think that just bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, letting Ryan Tannehill go and bringing in the guy like Teddy Bridgewater solves anything. It feels like we're just delaying the inevitable by sticking with this current roster construction. Windows closed, in my opinion. We need to revitalize the team. I don't think... I'm in the minority on this. I don't think the team is as far off as what everybody thinks it is. You have good cornerstone pieces. You have a great head coach. You get a general manager, and you get an offensive coordinator. And if we had a different offensive coordinator, aren't we talking about a different record and a different team? I don't even with the current state of the offensive line. I don't. I don't think the whole. I, I think Bud Dupree's going to be gone. I think Zach Cunningham's going to be gone. Uh, Robert Woods will probably be gone. Did I already say Bud Dupree probably did. Um, and Taylor One will probably be gone. That's going to open up a lot of money to revitalize the offensive line, and then you go into the draft, draft some more playmakers, and you you can run it back, and you could be fine. It's always be- oh here we go. It's always better for a team to attract free agents and have a good locker room while being a playoff team. I, I think I think that is a little overrated because everybody in the NFL knows you're a loser ass playoff team. You're a fraud playoff team. The only way it's good is if they go on a run, and this team is not built to go on a run. If they go into the the first round of the playoffs and they get their asses kicked by whoever they may play, then it really serves no purpose. You just prolonged everybody's misery for one more week. I don't think with the current state of the locker room, that's necessarily a good thing that they make it into the playoffs. I do think it's a good thing if they maybe win one more game. And then 
but I don't think it necessarily means anything about them going into the playoffs. I, I think at what we're at at this point is that we got a lot of people not thinking with level heads, and that's okay. But obviously, this this team, and I've said this since week two, is no matter how much they win, when they get in the playoffs, they're not winning. And this team was not good, and I said that since week two. It was not a great team. Now, there were moments where this team had was the best of the worst, right? I mean, they were the best of the worst when their elite defense is playing. The problem is their elite defense isn't showing up. And I think Jeffrey Simmons and Mike Frabel have told us why. I think injuries don't help. Missing David Long, who is the fiery leader on the field during the game for this defense, did not help. But that's also something you got to take into consideration is he can't stay healthy. These players cannot stay healthy. We saw numerous players leave the game today. This is a John Robinson issue, drafting undersized guys who can't stand the rigors of a full NFL season. It will be very interesting to see what Mike Vrabel and the new GM does. And to me, that is what I'm looking forward to. I am ready to see what the offseason holds for this team. because I don't think the team in this division in the, the way that football has been played all around the league is that far away from being what they were in 2019 and 2020. I think it could easily get there and rebound. That's why I do not think this is a rebuild. It's a retooling. Well, this has been Football Under the F-Words, quick live edition. Glad some people joined me in the comments section on the YouTube page and on the Facebook page and on Twitter. Um... Sponsored by Jasper's, two for one, Nashville. It's great sports bar, has all kinds of TVs, amazing TVs. On Tuesday, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, on the 440 Sports YouTube page, Facebook page, and the Broadway Sports Media Facebook page, and on Twitter, you can watch a football show, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. We'll also be live on Friday to talk about the Dallas Cowboys game, which I'm sure will be such a delight to talk about. We'll talk about that on Friday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you guys uh, as well. Wednesday, Football Another F-Words. also have an article out 48 hours later on Monday at broadwaysportsmedia.com. So, for Jaspers, for Football Another F-Words, for 440 Sports and a football show, my name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F-WordsPod. And you have just been F. A Broadway Sports Media Production.